I thank you for allowing me to stand before you and share from the Word of God this morning. I, I thank my friend Chris for inviting me on this very auspicious Sunday, 912, serve 912. What a wonderful uh, day that is, and what an opportunity for us to make a difference in our community. My role as the AMS, Associational Mission Strategist for our area, we call it the Golden Isles Baptist Network, is enhanced by First Baptist getting out into your community and sharing Christ and doing works of ministry and service on behalf of people, sacrificially. That's enhancing our ministry together. We are a network of churches and I am so grateful to be a part of that and uh, that you are such a important and significant part of our network. We really consider you great partners. We thank you for your support of the network and for all that you do to help us in doing the ministry that God has called us to do. I also want to say thank you for hosting our annual meeting on October 1st, Sunday night. You heard that, Sunday night, October 1st. We hope you'll all come back and be part of our annual meeting. Thomas Hammond from uh, the Baptist State Convention, executive director, is going to be here to share from the Word of God. So that's going to be a great night. We hope that uh, many, if not all of you, will come and be part of that occasion as well. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, the church is unstoppable, correct? Amen. The reason the church is unstoppable is because God has ordained it that way. He is unstoppable and he has used the church as his tool, his purpose to be unstoppable in the world with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are so grateful for that. Acts chapter seven, uh, I'm beginning here, I think you'll, you'll get a, a feeling uh, why I am reading from this spot. We are actually going to be focused on the first part of chapter 8. But let me read, I wish I could read this whole chapter because it's so rich, but would you go home and read chapter 7 sometime today? It will indeed bless your heart. But beginning in verse 54, at the very end of that chapter, Acts chapter 7 verse 54, it says this, now when they heard these things, in other words, what Stephen has just preached to them, the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ, they ground their teeth at him. They were enraged. Verse 55, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they, the crowd, the mob, cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. Chapter 8, verse 1. Saul, the young man, a few verses earlier, approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So much was the joy in that city. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever, and we've heard directly from him this morning in his written word. Would you pray with me? Father, we've heard you speak, and we've been moved by hearing your words. What a story. But Father, help us not just to stay on the story, but hear your words to us today. You sp speak through your servants, and I pray that you would speak today in a powerful and meaningful way for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Did you know that we're living in a VUCA world? VUCA world? And an acronym, uh, acronym V-U-C-A, was created about 30 years ago, and it was originally used to talk about economic situations. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Now, do you agree we live in a VUCA world? It was originally used to talk about markets and economics and things like that, but every economic, political, cultural, educational, religious, and now even reality itself seems to be volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. We live in a very strange world, and people are actually using that acronym to describe the cultural moment that we are in. And I think it describes it pretty well. By every measurement, we're looking at institutional collapse. But what's left standing? 
the church of Jesus Christ, which is unstoppable and will always stand. It doesn't matter how VUCA it gets, how confused we are, how many institutions collapse, the church always stands. The Bible says the gates of hell itself cannot prevail against it. But what of us in the midst of all of this? Confusion, ambiguity, uncertainty. Well, Psalm 11 asks that question. You don't have to turn there, but it says in verse three, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's really asking the question that is on a lot, a lot of our hearts and minds all the time these days. When the foundations are being destroyed upon which we have built our lives, what can the righteous do? What's the answer the psalmist gives? Very next verse. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. Don't you love that answer? What do the righteous do about the conditions of the world that we live in and the struggles that we are enduring? The answer, God's on his throne. Everything's under control. He's not surprised by anything. He sees everything. He is aware. And he's taking care of his church the way he always has. That's the message. Sovereignty, a king on a throne, omnipotence, all-powerful, and God is using the things that are happening for his own purpose, providence. There has always been for the church a testing, and chapter 7 of Acts is an example of the testing of the church. When they heard these things, they were enraged, verse 54 says. They ground their teeth at Stephen. And there arose on that very day, chapter 8 says, a persecution against the church in Jerusalem. There is always a testing. That should not make us afraid, fearful, confused in the life of the church, we are going to be tested by the times in which we live. The beauty of it is that God has given us the gift of being alive right now so that he can use us right now in the moment that we are living in. And in that day, that persecution arose and it was fierce. First of all, testing always tests the truth. If you've noticed, in our day, the truth is constantly under attack. The truth itself, even about reality. Things like gender and, and the confusion of our age about the things that we always understood and took for granted in days past. We're living in that moment right now. Truth itself is put to the test in our day. There is also a test for the people who tell the truth. 
There's a test for those who align with the truth that the Word of God proclaims. That's you and me. We are going to be tested in the day in which we live. So not only is the truth, truth itself tested and challenged, and not only is there a loud hostility against the truth itself, but that hostility is beginning to be felt by you and me. Because we are proclaiming and standing for that truth. There's another thing that is tested and that is God is testing whether we are aware enough in the moment to serve him providentially because he uses tests to achieve his purposes. He uses persecution to his purposes. He uses evil itself to his purposes. That's what we know about our God. And he honors those who have been tested. If you look at the story of Stephen, it says the, the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God as, G, as Stephen died. So you're being tested. You're going through some difficult things. You're confused. We're kind of scratching our heads over this VUCA world. Volatile, confused, complex, ambiguous. But God honors you in that test. He stands for you. He backs you up. He's on the throne. He watches you. He sees what we're doing. He honors his children that serve him faithfully in times like this. You are being honored in heaven, just like Stephen was when he gave up his last breath for the gospel. So there's always going to be a testing. That should not be a surprise to us. We live in that kind of day. God honors those of us who trust him and are faithful in the midst of that testing. There's also always a providence. What do I mean by that? I mean that God always uses the current moment to achieve his purposes. That's what providence is. God is working things out. Sometimes that's hard for us maybe to even believe. Sometimes we worry about the times that we're living in. Sometimes we are afraid and fearful. We're certainly confused. But when we trust in a God who is sovereign and omnipotent and is providentially working out his will, even in these times, we are honored for that faithfulness and we are strengthened and encouraged by it. We ought not to walk around afraid. We are not to be fearful. We're part of the unstoppable church of Jesus Christ. So there's always a providence. God's always doing something. And he doesn't mind you asking him what he's doing. <laughs> and you might sometimes say when things are really uh, difficult in your own life or you're experiencing things that are unexpected and hard, you can say, God, what are you doing in all of this? The question itself is not dishonoring, it's not disrespectful. God expects us to ask him questions 
to wonder. And he helps us understand that he's at work. There's nothing wrong with the question. If you read the Psalms, you hear a lot of that. A lot of lamentation. It's okay to lament the times that we're living in. It's okay to lament the passing of things that we held dear and were meaningful to us. It's okay to lament that institutions are collapsing around us. But we don't stop with lament as the people of God. We move from lament to trust. God is asking us to trust him because there's a providence in everything that occurs. There arose on that very day, verse, chapter 8, verse 1, persecution. Great persecution. And I'm sure those new believers in Jerusalem, about 6,000 of them by that time, we're wondering, well, God, you just saved us. We're walking into this new thing in our lives, and now we're being persecuted and chased out. What's going on, God? That would have been a legitimate question to ask. And I'm sure many asked it. But the message of Acts 8 is that God is using even that providentially. Great persecution and as a result, and here's the clue, here's the key to chapter 8, as a result of the persecution, very first verse, they were all being scattered. Providence always includes some pain. Just ask Stephen someday how painful that stoning was. Just ask the people whose houses were being broken into and people being dragged away to prison by Saul of Tarsus. Ask them about the pain of providence. Every single one of those occurrences was taken into consideration in God's grand plan. He was at work in that. That's the message of Acts 8. Even difficult things, even painful things, God uses to achieve his purposes, and we're part of that. It's never easy to experience the pain. God never said it was. He just simply said, trust me, in your pain, I am going to do something marvelous with it. All things work together for good. To those who love God and are the called according to his purposes, his providence. All things, even the painful things. Devout men buried Stephen, it says in verse 2, chapter 8 and made great lamentation over him. They were sad to, to lose Stephen. He was a light. He was a beacon of that church. He was a leader in that church that they loved. And those devout men that buried him made great lamentation over him. They were experiencing great pain in that loss. And even at the same time as they were burying Stephen, Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. 
Yes, God's at work in those things, but they're painful, and there's no denying it. Are we up to it? This is a question the church has to ask itself. Are you up to the pain of providence? If you're on board for providence, are you also on board for the pain? You don't have to like it. You don't have to act like a cheerful, oblivious Christian. You can sorrow in the pain. You can lament in the pain. You can lament about your culture. You can lament about your country. I guess you can even lament about a football team that loses. (laughs) God has a sense of humor, by the way. That's another sermon for another day, but... Providence of God can be painful. There's also a purpose, a purpose to God's providence. <clears throat> Obviously, it's God's plan. He has a purpose. He's doing something in it. And we learn pretty quickly what God was doing in the midst of that persecution. I've already alluded to it. Verse 4, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, we're going to scatter you guys today from this building. Some of you may have an opportunity to preach the word. Many of you, all of you who are scattered for Serve 912 this morning, are going to have the opportunity to preach with your life and lifestyle. People will see you with those t-shirts on and know who you represent. Somebody, I think it was D.L. Moody, said, constantly preach the gospel and sometimes use words. Did you get that? We're constantly preaching by the way we live. And when we reach out to people that need us, and we give to our community sacrificially. It's a means of communicating and preaching the gospel. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So because of the persecution, all kinds of things started happening in the life of that church that was being scattered. Preaching of the word, Philip being raised up to go to a different area to proclaim Jesus Christ. There's always a purpose. There is a way in which God is using it. He is not the author of evil, but he very skillfully uses evil to accomplish his purposes. The Bible is replete with examples of that. I want you to know, brothers, Paul once said, that what has happened to me, and after we're introduced to him here, we know his story. This is way later, toward the end of his life. He said, all these things that have happened to me have served to advance the gospel. All this evil, even my own evil, before I was converted, is all being used to advance the gospel. That's the genius 
of God's providence. The crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. They heard and saw the signs that he did. Many were coming to Christ when they heard the gospel through the lives and words of a scattered people. And look what it says in verse 8. So there was much joy in that city. So you go from verse one, uh, verse 1, in the beginning of this chapter, there arose a great persecution, and by verse 8, what does it say? There was much joy in that city. In a volatile and uncertain, confusing and fearful time, God is on his throne. But don't let that be kind of a catchphrase. I remember in 9-11, people were saying what's going on, and people would say God is on his throne, and when COVID came along, God is on his throne, and when certain things happened in our country, God is on his throne. And, it, and, and there is a danger of using that term as kind of a catchphrase for everything that happens. But when you know what's behind that truth, when you understand that a sovereign God knows exactly what's going on and sees everything that is going on and has considered all of it in his purpose and providence, when you say God is on the throne, you're saying a massive mouthful. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. What he needs from us is trust, willingness to be used, allowing us to be part of the purpose of his providence and to be faithful to whatever he calls us to do. Are you willing to be used by God in our times? Are you willing to fearfully proclaim his truth even when that truth is under attack? And today, are you willing to bring healing and joy to your city. We can and we will. Some of you maybe wandered in here today and weren't prepared to go out in the city. What an opportunity. Get a t-shirt, represent the church, go out and serve. What an opportunity. Maybe some of you are still confused about the nature of God's providence and even the testing that comes when we are part of his church. I'm here to tell you today that this is a place where you can get answers to your questions and you can join arms, link arms together with a wonderful church that is being scattered into its community 
so that they can hear the gospel truth. I'd like for us to pray and as we bow our heads, not only speak to God, but listen to him in our hearts. Father, when we read about persecution and we think about the possibility of its coming fiercely even in our day or soon to come, we quake a little bit. It's scary. We're fearful. But we know, Father, that all of this has been considered in your plan and providence. We are part of your unstoppable church. And we are so grateful that you have given us the opportunity to serve you. Will somebody hear a voice, a truth, a message, receive healing that never would have had it not been for us? Perhaps that will happen today in this, in this city. Oh, how it needs the gospel, how it needs you, how people need Jesus today. We pray that you would use us to achieve your purposes and providence right now, in this day, in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Every time you hear from the Word of God, it ought to challenge you. That's why I like to read big passages before I preach, because if I mess up, at least you've heard a good chunk of the Word of God. So every time you hear the Word of God was proclaimed or read, it should challenge you. And some of you in this room today may be struggling with something that we don't know about and only God knows about, but He does know. His eyes are on you. He's watching. He cares. He loves you. And we invite you today to respond to this time of invitation. Maybe you need to pray with a pastor or uh, just be enveloped by the love of this church a little bit today. Maybe you need to put on a t-shirt and go out and serve Christ in our city. Whatever it is that God is urging you to do, use this time this morning as we sing to come and respond to what God is doing in your heart and in your life. I pray that you'll do that today. Amen. <laughs>